Welcome to the Therapist Collective, where we explore the depths of the human mind and heart. I'm your host, Josh Keller, and I'm thrilled to embark on this transformative journey with you. In a world that can often feel disconnected, our mission here at the Therapist Collective is to inspire, connect, and help you grow. Each episode is carefully designed space where we delve into the complexities of the therapist experience, offer guidance, insights, information both personally and professionally. Whether you're seeking professional development, dealing with your own mindset challenges, or simply curious about how to build your career as a mental health provider, this podcast is for you. We believe that every individual has the power to create meaningful change in their lives, and together, we can unleash the immense potential that resides within us all. Throughout our journey, we'll be inviting experienced therapists, psychologists, and experts from various disciplines to share their wisdom, research, and perspectives. We'll explore a wide range of topics, including self-discovery, private practice startup, networking, mindfulness, continuing education, and so much more. But The Therapist Collective isn't just about expert advice. It's about the power of community. We'll be featuring stories of triumph, being real and authentic, and resilience from individuals like you who may have struggled through the labyrinth of life and emerged stronger on the other side. So, join us on this transformative journey of professional development as we navigate the realms of the mind and emotions, seeking growth, connection, and a deeper understanding of ourselves and others. Together, let's cultivate a community of compassionate providers, unleash our inner strength, and create a world where healing and growth are accessible to all. Hello, hello. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of the Therapist Collective podcast. I'm super excited here to have with me today Libby Supan, and I'm really interested in what she has to say. Uh, she is a uh, licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified intuitive eating coach specializing in helping individuals and groups foster a healthy relationship with food and their bodies. With a thriving virtual telehealth private practice, Libby offers comprehensive support to clients worldwide. Her expertise extends to working with individuals of all genders, addressing various concerns such as healing from disordered eating, managing depression and anxiety, and overcoming codependency. Libby's coaching program is accessible to anyone, regardless of their location, allowing her to reach and assist individuals globally. That sounds really exciting. A lot of, a lot of interesting things there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Hi, Josh. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you so much for being here. So as soon as uh, I, I read your bio, I was super excited um, just because um, I have a history of dieting like a lot of people do. And yes. I had I had actually never heard of a intuitive eating coach. So I had to Google it and wow. I was really intrigued. But now I get to talk to an expert. So tell me just a little bit about what that is exactly. Yes. OK, well, I'm so excited that you hadn't heard about it. And now that you are. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, so intuitive eating <clears throat> is an eating framework that encompasses mind, body, and spirit. And it's really the eating framework that is, and, and if not, should be in all eating disorder treatment, whether that's, you know, uh, residential treatment or outpatient treatment or anything. Um, and the cool thing about intuitive eating is we were all born intuitive eaters. So it's kind of like riding a bike, right? 
Um, so it's really relearning how to eat intuitively, which most people don't realize that. Um, but yeah, so basically what my kind of role in this is, if you will, is really, I look at it as holding your hand, guiding you through relearning how to become an intuitive eater, going through all the different principles. There's 10 different principles. Um, and yeah, and just getting you back to your natural set point weight, uh, getting you to trust your body again. So you don't have, so what happens with like, when we get into the dieting world is we no longer trust ourselves to feed ourselves. Mm. Yeah. And when we can't trust ourselves to feed ourselves, it trickles into almost all areas of our life. And we might not be fully consciously aware of it, but it really has an impact on your overall well-being and how you live in the world. So I am very adamant on yeah. helping people heal their relationships with food in their body because it has been such a huge impact for me and myself. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. I had never thought about the idea of not trusting myself to feed myself. Yeah. So I can't, I want to hear more about that. Let's take a quick break so we can have a word from our sponsors and we'll jump back into why you do this work. Are you preparing to take the national counseling exam and struggling to find study resources to help you feel ready? Look no further. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by NCEexamprep.com the premier study resource to help you pass the NCE with confidence. NCE Exam Prep has a 20-year track record of providing quality, reliable, and easy-to-use study material to help test takers know they are ready to pass. NCE Exam Prep's Guaranteed Study Package is a comprehensive bundle of resources with everything you need. The NCE Exam Prep Study Manual covering all eight of the KCREP content areas, full-length simulated practice exams and chapter quizzes, testing clinic videos to help you learn not only what to study, but how to take the test, as well as an archive of video lessons covering all the content from the study manual. Following NCE Exam Prep's recommended study plan comes with a full refund guarantee. If you still fail after following the plan, you will receive a full refund on your purchase. Use the coupon code THERAPISTCOLLECTIVE at checkout and receive 15% off your entire purchase. Don't delay getting your NCE preparation on the right track. Visit nceexamprep.com and pass with confidence. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your background as, as far as how you got into this and why it, it's so important to you. Yeah, okay. So I got into this because I myself struggled with a horrible eating disorder for over 20 years. Mm. And I really did not think I was going to make it. And I always promised myself that if I was somebody who actually got better, which I didn't think was possible, then I would like have to do this and help others do the same thing. Wow. It was just this kind of knowing. And I really didn't think it was going to happen. So um, yeah, so I did get better. I awesome. finally got like the the real help that I needed. And I went to graduate school and here I am. So that is why wow. I am so passionate about it. That is so great. I know so what many, it's like. Yeah. So many therapists that I talk to, they offer treatment out of their own story. Yeah. This whole idea of, of being a wounded healer, right? That, mm -hmm. you know, we've recovered from things that we deal with and we know the impact of, of growth uh, through that. And we want to extend that to others. So 
Um, that's yeah. amazing. I'm, I'm so thankful that you were able to, to, to work through that and, and now get to help Me other too. people too. So, um, yeah. so, okay. Talk to me more about this idea of trusting myself, yes. so trusting myself to feed myself. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So here's kind of, yeah. So here's kind of what happens. So, you know, when, let's say you go on your first diet or excuse me, you start restricting food in some way, you're really giving yourself, your body, the message that your body is no longer trusting of like you, the human, the mind, the brain to feed yourself. Hmm. So you're now going off of, let's say a keto plan or intermittent fasting. And so I'm now eating according to what's on this piece of paper by these rules and guidelines, but that doesn't actually fit with what's happening inside biologically with my body. Mm-hmm. So because I'm now focused on adhering to these guidelines of this diet, you know, maybe I'm physically hungry at 12 PM, but nope, I'm not allowed to eat till one. Gotcha. So because of that, I create these neural pathways in my brain that I, I just can't trust myself anymore. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, you know, feeding yourself is like a basic human function, kind of like breathing, going to the restroom. So like, if I can't do one of those basic functionalities, how can I truly trust myself in any other area? So that's so often where like oftentimes, you know, there's all these different factors, if you will, that uh, are taken into consideration for the development of an eating disorder. So oftentimes people already have codependency under their belt, if you will, in order for the development of the eating disorder. And then once you start doing that, once you start not trusting your body and adhering to something that doesn't fit with what's going on biologically, like I was saying, you're now even increasing the codependency. So -hmm. you can't trust yourself anymore. And then kind of like every other area in your life can get just really uncomfortable, insecure. But, but what I can say is you don't realize it's happening when you're in it right? because you can't. So did yeah. that make sense? No, that made a lot of sense. And so I'm, I'm just trying to think practically, you know, if, if people, you know, let's just say they eat three times a day and at every mm-hmm. point of eating, they're having to question whether this is the right thing or not. Right. If they, if they've convinced themselves that this is not the right thing, then yeah. there's some sort of like internal betrayal that's happening where they, yeah. they feel like they're, they're misaligned with you know what's true or what what they need to be doing and then the guilt and the shame and the depression and the anxiety and all that kind of ensues naturally so just right and then right and then what happens is you the person me whoever it is Mm -hmm. thinks that they're the problem but it's like no you're never the problem the diet was the problem on purpose Mm -hmm. the diet is created to fail you know yeah yeah but so I can see, yeah, yeah go I can see how this is like, no, 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 a, like a, a mindset, um, a, you know, type of thing. Right. Definitely. But, but at the same time, if, if that part of me that says, man, I'd really love a cheeseburger right now, okay. well, maybe the cheeseburger is not the best thing for me. So how do you reconcile that? To not just eat crap all the time. Totally. So the first thing, the first thing is uh, taking labels off of food. So when you say, when you say crap, you're giving like whatever that type. So I'm assuming you're talking about like, what I like to say is fun foods, right? You're giving them morality, right? So 
it's it, it all starts with the how you think about it. So mm -hmm. you have to <clears throat> first take labels off the food. So everything is neutral. So mm -hmm. it's really, well, and, and I'm just so glad that you brought this up because so many people think intuitive eating is either the hunger fullness diet or mm -hmm. I'm intuitively eating all the fun food my whole life and that's all I ever eat. And right. of course, like we, we will all probably gain weight if that's how we were to eat. Okay. Sure. Sure. So, <laughs> so the cool thing is when you're truly intuitive and when you truly allow all things, when you don't judge food anymore, you don't want all the things all the time. Hmm. So with intuitive eating, like this is how I approach it. So okay. if you know the scenario you just said, so let's say it's 7am and you have a whole work day ahead of you. And you know that hamburgers are your favorite food. They taste so good, but maybe you don't feel your best after you eat a hamburger. Okay. Maybe you're a little bit sluggish, whatever, right. you know, right. no big deal, but you're not at your best. So at 7am, you're like, dang, a hamburger sounds so good for breakfast. <laughs> okay. So the two questions you ask yourself is, okay, I, I'm thinking about a hamburger. Okay. One, how is that going to taste? And your answer is that's going to taste delicious. Right. Two. How is that going to feel in my body? Hmm. And then you get to ask yourself, okay, how's that going to feel? Like, yeah, it's probably not going to serve me that well right now. I'm probably yeah. going to feel a little bit sluggish. Yeah. So I now get to make the choice. Do I want to honor more my um, cravings or my physical body? And yeah. it's totally okay to do either one, but yeah. I get to make that decision. And gotcha. so what I would encourage the person to do is, hey, why don't we like do both? So you're not going to restrict the hamburger, but just eat it at a later time today when you, it doesn't matter if you feel sluggish or not. Okay. So, yeah. 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 So you remove that, that guilt piece right? while at the same time empowering yourself over those choices without feeling like you're betraying some sort of internal code that says I shouldn't. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Because when we eat the thing we say we shouldn't, it's like you may as well not eat it at all because you're not even enjoying it. And you're creating this kind of association in your brain mm -hmm. that is hat your, it, you're putting it on a pedestal. Yeah. You know, and when you put it on the pedestal, you become obsessed. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a very different way of approaching how you eat. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot well, of people do it. I mean, a lot of people eat, haphazardly right or they're not putting that much thought into it but then other people get caught up in that that cycle of of overthinking in, in a way right. yeah yeah absolutely okay so you know this this podcast is for therapists right and so yeah always looking at the connection between mental health and things like this so so how how do you notice kind of long-term impacts of um of that way of thinking about food? How does that benefit yeah. mental health to, to take an intuitive eating approach? Yeah, well, you know, what I can say is <clears throat> it's really, it's, it's all about self-care. Mm -hmm. It's a way of living in the world where you are caring for yourself in a way that honors your true, whole, like holistic being. And it also, it's not just about, it's, it's really hard to explain intuitive eating because there, it is so intricate and there are, it is, sure. it is so multifaceted or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's also a way to just live in body acceptance and let go of just the diet culture, the diet mentality, 
all of the fat phobia, Mm -hmm. the weight bias, and it just makes everything so much simpler, which as far as, you know, correlating it to what you said about like mental health, like, yeah, it absolutely I mean, most every single person I've worked with, once they're like reached, you know, intuitive eating, if you will, their anxiety, their depression, their perfectionism, their codependency all decreases. Yeah. So when you're treating somebody is, do you work um, like exclusively with people that are wanting help with this or do you treat other, other types of issues and then this gets factored into it or it plays a part? Yeah. Um, both, but mostly people initially see me for their issues with food or their body. Gotcha. Um, most all of my clients, that's how, <clears throat> or why they came to see me initially, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely still have clients that really don't have any food issues or they might have food issues, but we don't uncover it until gotcha. month two or something. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah I wasn't, wasn't sure if, I mean, I know a lot of people kind of have their go-to explanations for things, right? For a while, I was on this big sleeping kick, like, you know, I want to make sure that you're getting all the rest you need. And maybe that's kind of a, a root of a lot of the problems. If you just needed, yeah. if you just took a nap, if you took a nap, things would be better. Uh, maybe that's just how I feel. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sleep is super so, crucial. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and so seeing seeing other just mental health related issues through this lens of, you know, our is, how's the eating, how's the sleeping, right? We don't want to just jump to the like other pathological types of explanations. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So tell me a little bit about your coaching program. I'm curious about that. What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. It's super exciting. So it's new, it's newer. Um, So right now I have a six month program and there's two different options for it. So Mm -hmm. with the platinum program, you can work with me um, once a week, you, we have 30 minute zoom calls. And then the other option is just two 30 minute zoom calls a month. So every other week. And the cool thing about the coaching program and what I really think is the biggest difference between, you know, the coaching and therapy is how we get to do our work. So with therapy, it's sessions, right? And that's it. Um, I mean, some emails back and forth or, you know, text messages if needed, but that's, that's basically it for therapy. But with coaching, it's kind of, um, it's different. So what I do is we have our sessions and then in between sessions, I use a app, it's called Voxer. And it's Mm -hmm. basically just like a walkie talkie. So (laughs) we just leave voice messages back and forth. You can leave like a video if you wanted or um, images or anything like that, but it's basically just voice messaging. And so it's really like, truly, I'm kind of in your back pocket as you're navigating, Mm -hmm. going through this, how to relearn how to be an intuitive eater. And it's real life. And, you know, I'm in there with you kind of thing. Um, And yeah. And so basically, so that's kind of the how we do the work together. And it's really walking you through all the steps of intuitive eating, but each client is different. So like you might start on principle one and Sally might start on principle 10, but um, yeah. And at some point in the very near future, I'm going to turn it into a group program, which I'm very excited about. I think it'll be so much more impactful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So if, if one of your uh, clients is, is part of your program, 
you know, they, they just get done eating a meal and mm-hmm. they're checking in with themselves and they mm-hmm. get on the, the app and they're like, Hey, trying to make sense of this. This is what I'm feeling. They just kind of tell you about that. And then you get back with them at, you know, when you, when it's convenient for you or, you know, when you check yeah. and you, you just jump on real quick. Okay. Absolutely. And I'll just kind of inquire like, all right, so, you know, did you have a question about that or tell me more or what was that like? How is that different from yesterday? What we talked about? That's really, really cool. Yeah. I kind of love it. Yeah. That seems like a really neat approach to just ongoing treatment rather than, all right, well, wait, wait till your hour next week and we'll talk about it then. I can see how that would be really beneficial. Very cool. Yeah. So do you do trainings for other therapists or individuals who are interested in, in taking this approach as well? I, I mean, I don't have anything in place, but I absolutely have helped and trained. I actually have been a trainer mm-hmm. at um, different treatment centers for other therapists, but absolutely. Okay. I offered training to, I did a presentation for the Boys and Girls Club staff a while back, and um, I did offer training for their staff. Um, to learn more about eating disorders, but absolutely. Right. I am very much into that. Yeah. I would love to do that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just trying to think on, on behalf of the, the listeners who, who are thinking, okay, how do, how does this get incorporated without me having to do such a deep dive? Like, is there a way, is there a way to get people thinking about this or would this need to be like an, like an additional, um, you know, in addition to the counseling that they're providing, would they need to see an intuitive eating coach or is there, is there a way for them yeah. to incorporate it in without it? I mean, it sounds like you've yeah. gone through a lot of training to arrive at where you're at, but how can, how can just the average yeah. therapist start thinking with this lens and, and, you know, what would you recommend they do if they wanted to equip themselves for it? Yeah. So here's what I would suggest. So depending on, you know, if you're a person that is struggling with food or your body disordered eating, if that's you, I would absolutely seek help from a provider. I think mm-hmm. that is going to be like the most beneficial and probably quickest way to get you there and least painful. And if not, if you are just what I like to call normies, you know, people that have never had disordered <laughs> eating. So right. intuitive eating, I would start with the book. So it's by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rush. They're the two authors of intuitive eating. So there is a book, you can get it on audiobook. You could even get it um, from the Libby library app, which is for free. And I know it's my name, which is weird, but anyways, um, <laughs> I also, if, so if anyone's listening and you would like me to send you a podcast episode where Evelyn Triboli, one of the authors is on, I think it's Dan Harris's podcast or 10% happier is what it's called. Anyways, I'm more than happy to send you that episode. That's the episode I will send most anyone that says like, what is intuitive eating? So it's a really good episode to explain what it is. So I would start with the book. There's also an intuitive eating workbook. So get the book, get the workbook, do them at the same time. And Mm -hmm. also reach out to me and I will email you the episode of the intuitive eating um, where it gives a good explanation, but that's where I would start. Gotcha. And that's so for do somebody it themselves. Who, do it themselves. Okay. Yep. And, and then you'll know what it is. Gotcha. And and that's not just for people who are struggling with this. You think that this is something that Everyone. everybody gets to benefit from. Totally. But the, the other thing that's interesting is truly, if you've never had a problem with food, if you 
if everything is just so, and you've never been tripped up by diet culture, you most likely are an intuitive eater. Hmm. Okay. So you'd be realizing the, like what you're already doing and why it's working so well. For instance, my dad, he's Mm -hmm. always been an intuitive eater. He's never not, he's never like just anyways. So when I talk about this with him, he's just looks at me like I'm nuts. Like, well, yeah, why? Of course you do that. And I'm like, yeah, dad, well, not everyone, not everyone knows that. Why do you need to train people how to do something that's so natural? (laughs) Everybody should be able to. Yeah. Right. Well, maybe, maybe some people just need that, that pat on the back to say, okay, well, I'm glad I've been doing something good. (laughs) Right. Right. But I think it's good regard. So even if you are like already a natural intuitive eater, but you don't even really even know what that is, I would do it anyways, because it's only going to help you and everyone you work with. Okay. Okay. That's a good, good place to start. So, you know, I, just as you were sharing with me about the kind of the method behind intuitive eating, one of the things that I was really, really wondering is, you know, where you find people pushing back against it, you know, where's Mm, the resistance when when people hear this idea, where do they get stuck? Yep. I will tell you, it's most of the diet culture people. It's most of the weight loss people, the people that are out there promoting weight loss, their coaches, their dietitians, their nutritionists, Mm -hmm. some of them are therapists and they're causing a lot of harm because when you're promoting intentional weight loss, oftentimes it is a form of disordered eating. So now I forgot, now I forgot your question. What was the question? So so the question was when, when there's pushback or when yes. people are resistant yeah. upon hearing this, where does that come in? Okay. So I'll give, yeah. So social media, first of all, let me just say that. Okay. So you'll have either the creators. So let's say a coach who's selling weight loss, get really mad. Like, how dare you try to tell people they can eat whatever they want. You're going to cause diabetes, <laughs> things like that. Okay. Or just people. So let's say the potential client, if you will. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I started doing lives on TikTok. So like almost every day I'm doing just a and a for food and body stuff. Cool. And people get so angry with me. Like you're caught, like you're causing harm. How dare you? You're telling people to eat donuts. You're going to, like I said, you're going to cause diabetes. And then they just yeah. try so hard to prove that like the keto or the, this diet, or that this is what works. And mm-hmm. I'm this much weight and I need to get to this much weight. Um, just, it's all fat phobia. It's all fat phobia. Okay. And so somebody who says, okay, I kind of like this idea, but I'm, I'm struggling to get over the, the fact that I've been told all my life not to eat donuts or that you can, but it's just not good for you. Mm-hmm. Those are some significant hurdles to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot, a lot of unlearning and relearning. So kind of how I look at it, and this is with not just intuitive eating, but eating disorders too. So this is how I see it. So we all start with like these brains, right? Which are these sponges and some of our sponges because of like genetic stuff or blueprint stuff, biological, we have certain factors that are going to make some of our sponges more uh, susceptible to diet culture messages. 
So we're all given the same messages from diet culture, but some of us, because of some reasons, like, you know, for myself, I grew up in a dieting home. So it was either we're like mom's on a diet or mom's not on a diet, like very black and white. So like, that was just one of the like little factors in my sponge. So I was a person that really like held on to these messages I received from diet culture. And what happens is when you get these messages, because they're coming like from everywhere all the time, your whole life, we don't know what's happening. Our brains don't know to question it. It just is. And we just end up thinking it and then we end up believing it, but they're mostly false and not factual. And so we're kind of walking around in the world, like living with these false pretenses and then acting in them too. So acting would be, oh, I don't let myself eat past 9 p.m. because they say that's going to make me fat. So once you step into the, oh my gosh, I am so disordered. I'm only binging or restricting. I can't stop gaining weight. Where do I begin? So the place to begin is, first of all, we've got to get you to eat consistently. So throughout the day, three to six times a day, your body has got to trust you again. So that's the place to start like physically and medically, if you will. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we do the brain, the brain part. So it's kind of like, I think of it like, okay, we're going to open up your brain. We're going to lay it all out in front of us. We're going to debunk every single one of these thoughts and beliefs. We're going to find out what's true. And we're just going to like consistently like remind our brains of what's the right message. What's the right message. What's the right message to unlearn and relearn. And it's very habitual. Yeah. Yeah. So at some point, I mean, and this may be part of the the 10 principles that you were referring to earlier. I mean, at some point you've got to make decisions about what is going to, what you're going to take in. Right. Sure. Yeah. Because, because if you are just eating all of the fun foods all the time, like you were saying, that's going to feel a certain way. And so yeah, it's not fun. Right. And so there's a decision making point, you know, at some point that's based off of how it makes you feel or, and, and do you find that that decision-making point when you're really doing this well is going to lead towards the healthier foods that are more balanced? Is that kind of how that works? I mean, not for everyone, but yes, that's the idea. And that's generally how it works. So, you know, I can give you an example just for myself. Sure. Yeah. So back when I was disordered, I forced myself to eat so many gross things. Well, I should say I thought they were gross. They were very diety. Yeah. I only allowed myself to eat vegetables that were raw, like nothing on them, no oil. They weren't cooked, Mm -hmm. just raw vegetables. So then when I like started doing this intuitive eating thing, like I didn't know what I liked and I hated vegetables because they tasted disgusting. And then I realized, wait a second, you can actually use oil, vegetables, say what? So today there's like so much more often I crave salads, Brussels sprouts, vegetables, over like ice cream and cookies because it tastes so good and it feels so good. I still eat the ice cream and the cookies, but it's just, it's hard to explain how it works unless you are doing it or have done it. It's just kind of like a shift that happens organically with time and it's not right away. Yeah. And so so getting people to say, all right, I'm in because down the road, I know that this is going to feel right. And getting into those habits, like you say, is, is a big part of that process. And mm-hmm. so eventually 
eventually they kind of just realize, Hey, I'm, I'm in this now. I'm, this is, this is a, a working way for me to, to go about eating yeah. because they've built that habit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And yeah. And the, the other cool thing about intuitive eating is once you've been doing it for a while, you don't think about it. It just is. It's just natural, like breathing. Yeah. That is the most exciting part about it because living in diet culture, you always thinking about it. Right. It's constant. It consumes you. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Well, that sounds really interesting. Um, yeah. You know, Lots um, of stuff. I'm, I'm kind of thinking of, I mean, I've got a few particular clients in mind that, that have been on that struggle bus. And I'm just trying to imagine what, what they might say and how a therapist would, would help them into, you know, being convinced that, okay, this is a worthwhile endeavor, right? Mm -hmm. um, so first steps being, you know, take a look at the book, you know, mm -hmm. maybe look at the, the workbook, reaching out to, to you if they want some individual coaching. Absolutely. Um, and then once, once it's working and they're, they're kind of in, I don't know, you'd call it maintenance, like they're just kind of in it. Um, mm -hmm. Is it something that just kind of carries on or do, do you recommend people, you know, come back to like checking in? Like what does that look yeah. like long-term? Yeah. Long-term, like typically speaking, once you're an intuitive eater, you, you are, and you're good, good to go, you know, mm -hmm. but sometimes like if you come from an eating disorder background or like heavily disordered eating, Sometimes things happen in life and you have, I cannot stand the word relapse, but you have like a sidestep or a slip and you kind of get back into old habits and old thinking. And so you just kind of need like a refresher. And that happens a lot, just not even with a client that's discharged and come back, but just in our regular therapy, you know, like, let's say, you know, you're Sally and we're in session and you've been doing so great for a month. You know, you've been allowing all the foods, you haven't had a binge, you haven't been restricting. And then you show up after a month of doing that. And you're just so distraught because you went to a wedding and you ended up just like, you know, kind of gorging food at the buffet table, if you will. And you're so upset, but here's what I get to say. Well, guess what? This was your first time being at a buffet table with intuitive eating. Like yeah. you've got to give yourself a break, you know? And so the next time you'll know how to do it differently. Um, and it's just a sidestep, but yeah, most people that like achieve, if you will, intuitive eating and they haven't had an eating disorder background, you're usually good to go for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. There's yeah. a lot that I'm, a lot that I'm processing here. Um, I know. And I, I'm curious what you think about it personally. What I think about it personally. So, uh, my own my own story is, is one of lots of dieting. Like I'm, I'm overweight yeah. uh, for sure. And, um, I think that I'm, I'm kind of past the, the shame associated with that. I, you know, I feel, you know, positive about uh, my body, you know, obviously there's, there's ways that my, my health impacts me on a day-to-day -day basis. And so mm -hmm. as far as a motivation is concerned, you know, that that's kind of it for me. It's not, it's not that I, you know, don't have, you know, the, the beach body or anything like that. It's, it's more the feeling sluggish or, you know, not yeah. wanting to get on the, the ground, you know, to play yep. ca cars with my eight-year-old, you know, that, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of, um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, 
just being a little bit more compassionate towards what my body is telling me. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. I think the, the question for me, just as I'm, you know, if I were considering, do I, do I dive into this or not would be like, I don't necessarily want to check those motivations at the door. Right. Um, so Which how motivations? Do, so the motivation to, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I guess there's part of me that does like the idea of looking fit. Um, sure. Of course. That's, that's not a bad motivation. Although, you know, I, even coming to acceptance of, of yourself, you can still have that desire to, of to course. Fit. Um, I don't know that you're, I don't think that you would be suggesting to check the motivation to be able to get down on the floor with play with your kids, you know, at the door. Um, but that's, that's kind of part of it is that there's there, mm -hmm. in, just in hearing it, there's these, these parts is like, yeah, I, I like the idea of being able to do these things and what happens to, to all of that. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm just like, okay, the donut's fine. Or... Yep, I'm so glad you said that. So the yeah, so with intuitive eating, most people that start have a desire to lose weight or look okay. fit or whatever you call it, look in shape, you know. And that's fine. Like, of course, you have that desire. I did too. That's why we're all here in this place, mm -hmm. right? And so the only thing you have to be willing to do is to take weight loss off the table for now. You can still think about it, but you can't act on it. Hmm. That's the one thing you can't do with intuitive eating. You can't intentionally be working on weight loss and also try to relearn how to eat intuitively. It just okay. it doesn't go together. Okay. But you can absolutely have the desire because that, for some people, may never go away. You know. Okay. So is it is it that there's some magic number that once I've reached that um, that particular weight, I've, I've tricked myself into thinking that that's the goal. Like mm. that's the, that's what I need to arrive at in order to feel better. Is that, is that part of it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I wish it was like that. Cause that to okay. me would seem so much more like simple, like okay. a math equation, but yeah. no, it's okay. because every single person and every body is so different and individual. So like, my set point is my set point. Right. Yours is yours. And yours might be yours or mine or anyone's set point might also not be our original natural set point because of all the harm we've done over the years dieting. Hmm. So with intuitive eating, it brings you to your set point and your set point is where your body feels it's most comfortable and your body wants to keep you there. It will fight tooth and nail to keep you at your set point. And so if first, you know, if, if, if people like me who have, have, I say always, like I didn't come out of the womb, mm -hmm. like struggling with weight loss, uh, but right. you know, at, at junior high is probably when I started to uh, gain a lot of weight and there were some bad habits yeah. there. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that I've ever been at my set point as a fully developed adult sure right and so yeah. you know i don't even know what that would be like like trying to imagine of course. yeah what it would feel like yeah that's just kind of kind of foreign and i'm sure i'm not of alone in yeah that. 
no, you're absolutely not. I mean, people question, well, first of all, most people don't even know what, you know, I've never heard of set point, but yeah, yeah, a lot of people question like, well, what's mine? How can I get mine? And how can I make mine lower? And you, and right. you can't intentionally make it lower. Okay. So that's part of the mindset too, is thinking that my set point needs to be, you know, in, in wonderland, you know, sub 200 right. as an adult male or, you know, whatever it is that, that right. that's the type of thinking that needs to be abandoned. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And I like to, you know, to really simplify it for people that it's like, they're so in it because they're so obsessed with wanting to lose weight that it's like, they can't hear what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And so a way I can explain it is um, think about it seriously, like going to the bathroom or breathing. Like you don't question yourself when you have to breathe air. You don't think about it. Right. But I guarantee if you started, if for some reason it was now a world knowing that it's like you're so you're so much less than if you need more air. I shouldn't I can't okay I need to hold my breath hold my breath I guarantee you're going to become obsessed with holding your breath not holding your breath holding your breath no when am I going to get more air when I'm not supposed to breathe do you know what I mean mm -hmm. so it's like we could do this I think with anything but because of the society we live in the fat phobia the Hollywood the celebrity right. that's why we're here right okay so for it to become so natural as being able to tell, okay, I need to go use the restroom. Um, there's, there's probably these individual moments where you have to kind of come back to what your, what your goal is with intuitive eating. Like that, mm -hmm. am I really hungry? Am I not really hungry? How do I mm -hmm. feel about this? Mm -hmm. uh, well, at the same time, kind of checking some of that stinking thinking for lack of a better word you know, yep. at the door. Yep. Cool. And another example I can give you, you just said something that made me think of it mm -hmm. is okay. So let's, so this is another example of intuitive eating and why it's not just the hunger fullness diet. So let's say I have to go into a meeting and right now it's 10 AM and I'm out of the meeting at 1 PM, but in this meeting, you're not allowed to eat. And right now I am not physically hungry, but I know myself and I know by 1 PM, I'm going to be ravenous. And I know when I get ravenous, I'm probably going to overconsume, overeat, or binge eat. Then I'm going to feel real bad. Then I might restrict my next meal. And then I can start this whole cycle. Gotcha. So yeah. because of all of this, I'm going to take care of myself. And I'm going to eat now before my 10 a.m. meeting, even though I'm not physically hungry. Because mm -hmm. that is going to serve me better than leaving the meeting ravenous and having a possible binge, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. So there's a little bit of planning and just kind of definitely. Knowing knowing those, those rhythms of your day. And right. It's kind of that. like seriously being your own nurturing parent mm -hmm. in a way of like treating yourself with so much love and compassion for your body and, and how to feed yourself. Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, obviously as a therapist, you know, we deal with a lot of people who have very harsh meta emotions and metacognitions yeah. about themselves. And so learning how to respond more compassionately towards those parts that are showing up with guilt and shame, you know, it's no wonder that because eating is such an integral part of our life, like every single day, that it can yeah. create so many, so many issues for so many people. So, yeah. 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 
Wow. This has given me a lot to think about just personally. I'm but also, so glad. Yeah. Also professionally, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, um, to just kind of at, at first just have an ear for, for how this might show up and, and how this could help yeah. people. So yeah, if, pe- if people wanted to get in touch with you to, to hear more, what's the best way for them to do that? Yes. Well, you can email me Libby at LibbySupan.com. You can also reach me through my website, which is just LibbySupan.com. Okay. And most of my social media handles are all food freedom with Libby. So I have mm. TikTok and Instagram are the biggest ones I have. So email, awesome. website, social media. Yeah. And I, Perfect. please, if, if you're listening to this and you have any interest in intuitive eating or have any questions, please reach out and just let me know. Even if you don't have a question and you, I don't know, I just, I want, I want to, uh, continue to increase this community of like the anti-diet culture space and just make it inclusive for everybody. And I would love to get to know anyone who's interested. So please reach out and say hello. That sounds amazing. And I'm going to link to all of the uh, email and social media and your website in the show notes. So if you're interested, um, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to Libby. It sounds like um, there's a lot of exciting things and I'm, I'm kind of excited to follow you and see what, what you have coming up and where this goes for you as, as a, well, as thank a therapist. You. Yeah. So best I'm of luck to you as, as you continue on. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Josh. I had a really good time. Thank you for joining us today on the therapist collective. We hope this episode has ignited a spark within you and left you with newfound inspiration, connection, and a sense of growth. Remember, the journey of professional discovery is an ongoing one. Take the insights and wisdom you've gained here and apply them to your life and career. Embrace the power of vulnerability, seek support when needed, and continue to cultivate a deep understanding of yourself and others. We'd love to hear from you, our incredible listeners. Share your thoughts, reflections, and stories with us through our website and social media platforms. Your experiences and insights can help create a ripple effect of transformation in our community. And finally, remember that growth is a collective endeavor. Together, we can create a world where mental health is prioritized, where empathy and understanding are the foundation of our interactions, and where each individual is empowered to embrace their true potential. Thank you for being part of the Therapist Collective. Until we meet again, continue to inspire, connect, and grow.